Um, you can also, where to find us? You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on SoundCloud. I can never get through this part. <laughs> where to find us? You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, and... Op- <laughs> Almost... Hey yo, we are Fantasy on Draft. Welcome to episode numero 19. I'm NMFL. That's Nick Motherfucking Land if you're nasty. With my co-host, Miyagi Poka. What is up, homie? Man, we're just, you know, getting over our championship hangovers. We got to watch some football with no fantasy implications on the line. That was I, weird. I actually forgot there was Saturday football <laughs> until you had said something Saturday. Yeah. Um, and then we actually had Monday night football on Saturday, which was always confusing. But, yeah, it was kind of nice not watching games, worrying if I was going to lose or if I was winning. or uh, And it was nice, and I hated it. I want fantasy football back already. Yeah, it was definitely different, and um, there was there was a couple big playoff game like implica- implication games, so that was fun. But, yeah, it was weird not looking at my phone to see the stats getting updated every 30 seconds. Actually, it was like watching the game game. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, I am, I don't usually watch my phone, like, the whole time, because I hate seeing where, like, oh, that yard made it go up one, and then he lost us, but I usually check it, you know, on pretty, like, many, many times, Yeah. and it's not doing it, it was kind of nice, and then yet, I had nothing to play for, so it was kind of weird. Yeah. Um, hey, you ever buy a friend a cup of coffee? Oh, all the time. Yeah, what if that cup of coffee could seriously make your friend's podcast dreams come true? Well, you can 100% do that for us. For a cup of coffee a month or a cup of coffee a week because we are on Patreon, baby. Some big news there. Heck yeah. Man, uh, go to www.patreon.com slash fantasyondraft, D-R-A-U-G-H-T. And we'd love to have you check it out. It's a, it's a way that you can kind of crowdsource us. You can throw a dollar an episode at us or a couple dollars an episode, and it really helps us to keep the podcast going. You know, it helps pay for our equipment that we're using. We're trying to get some new editing software so I won't delete my microphone. <laughs> and, um, you know, it really helps. So check it out, Patreon Fantasy on Draft. And, uh, you know, even if you don't, want to participate and do it we'd love to have you check out the website and just kind of see what we're offering because we're doing some some extra bonus stuff right yeah i'm pretty excited we're, we're gonna do some just kind of kind of freeballing recording where we're just gonna kind of bs for a little bit some of it'll be about football but a lot of it'll just be about like other random stuff we bs about a lot of barbecue a lot of other stuff going on uh i'm excited for that and uh i'm really excited to, to you know we've already got some uh some help and uh, it's, all, it's all going right back into the podcast. We're going to be getting new analytic tools, hopefully, and it's just going to help us provide better information and, and you know, bring more championships to you guys. So it really is helping everybody, and especially us. Yeah, and sign-up's pretty easy on it. You just uh, go to patreon.com slash draft, and then you just literally, you know, put your name, email in, select a level of support, and then add a card, done and done. And you get to buy us a cup of coffee once a month, and help keep the show running heck yes so we're excited about that where to find us we are on spotify soundcloud and apple podcast 
Uh, please like and subscribe. That really helps us out. Leave a review. Um, it helps people find us when they go search Fantasy Podcast. We are also on Facebook at Fantasy on Draft Podcast. Um, we also have a bad fantasy football trades page where people just put in their crap that people send them or crap that other people in the league accept. We had a league last night, um, and there was bad fantasy trades going on. It left and right. Oh, it was, it was nonstop. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, a guy put Sammy Watkins on the trade block, and you know how in high demand Sammy Watkins is, so... I sent him absolutely nothing for Sammy Watkins, and he accepted it. Yeah, like literally nothing, like nothing. Yeah, no, there was yeah, nothing no, in yeah. there. <laughs> and then, so now I had Sammy Watkins, so I didn't want him, so I put him on the trade block and sent him to somebody else for absolutely nothing. And, and he went around three or four times oh, like yeah, that, yeah, and yeah, then got somebody got around. greedy and tried to get a dollar for him, and <laughs> I had to cut that out. It's Fair always, trades only in my leagues. Always somebody's got to ruin it by getting greedy, right? Man, what an asshole. On today's episode, we're going to get into week 18 a little bit. We'll talk news around the NFL. We are going to start our 2022 rookie profiles, and we'll get into some more off-season thoughts and ways to make your dynasty teams better. Because, again, it's the off-season, and dynasty doesn't end. Our six-pack of the week will be a 2021 six-pack recap. We'll kind of touch on six guys that are six awards kind of MVP, you know, biggest sleeper type of deal. And so we'll talk guys there, but first let's get into the beer of the day. So today we're doing a a beer from new glory. It's a local ish brewery here in Sacramento and uh, it's uh, the gummy worms and gummy worms, incredibly popular beer around these parts. So it's a chewy pale ale and it's uh, 5.8% ABV. They're out of Sacramento. Like I said, their socials are at new glory brewery. And, um, you know, the tasting notes are, are, are pretty delightful. They use uh, Amarillo and Citra hops in this beer, and those are two really sweet hops, especially if harvested early. So you get, like, a lot of really rich pineapple and kind of, like, overripe, drippy, like, passion fruit and just tropical fruits to it. And they um, made it really clear that they didn't use any flour in this body because it is incredibly hazy and turbid. And some, some breweries like to cheat just by throwing flour in their beers. And they didn't. Uh, so you still get, like, that nice, soft, palated body and a, and a little bit of sweetness to it. It's normally, I'm guessing, probably a little bit sweeter than you normally like. But I, I do know you enjoy this beer as well. I do. I enjoy this beer a lot. I forget that it's technically a pale ale yeah. and not just a hazy IPA. Not that there's a, a huge difference between the two. But every time I go to sell it at the bar, I just sell it as an IPA. Basically an IPA. Yeah, yeah. I guess this was the first one that came out that I was like, I just really like this a lot. I really am happy to see our area have, you know, a beer like this. Maybe it was just because New Glory. New Glory was killing it for a while, too. So Yeah, so I I really like this beer a lot. I'm happy that they put it out. I'm happy that we get it up here. and like, yeah, like I said, I, f- I forget that it's technically a pale ale, but it's super drinkable. A little lower ABV yeah, than five point eight. Yeah, yeah. The, then you know, I'm trying to crush the nines, bro. Yeah, <laughs> wasting my time with this sub six percent slurry. But yeah, no, I I really uh, I really enjoyed when they put this one out too. It was it was right at the peak of a big craft beer explosion around these parts. And um, New Glory had just acquired a new brewer. He's a rock star. Everything they were making was awesome. 
and this one just hit all the all the notes that everybody was hoping to find. So this this beer just exploded all over the place. Yeah, I really like the can artwork as well. Um, has all the little super colorful gummy worms and stuff on it. So yeah. this beer is great. I really really love it. I like to drink it when it's out. Um, it's a seven point three for me. 7.3, perfect. So for the style for me, um, a chewy pale ale is what they describe it as. And I don't have any other chewy pale ales on record that I can go back and compare this to. So they might be the pioneer of that distinction. Of the chewiness? Yeah, of the chewy. So if we're just going by like a hazy pale ale, I st- still think it's a great representation. Um, it's a little bit less malty than a lot of pale ales that I would compare it to. So I'm going to give it an 8.5, uh, suck it, Ken for um, the style and enjoyment, like I'm gonna give it a solid eight. I, I really enjoy this beer. Yeah, it, it's a great one. And it is nice, you know, for the lower ABV, especially when you're serving customers at the bar, when people are coming in looking for something a little light, you know, but they still want the full IPA pale ale flavor. Um, it's great for that, it fits right in. You can give them, you know, 5.9, be good to go. Heck yeah. All right. That's our beer of the day. Let's get into little NFL news and notes for the week. Um, there was, man, let's just get into it. There was a tie gate, you know? <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else to even jump into it, but with now calling it what it is. Uh, due to the Colts losing to the Jaguars in Jacksonville, which was the, <laughs> right, the eighth time? Yeah, so the eighth ridiculous. straight time that the Colts have gone to Jacksonville and lost. Um, Jacksonville had one win last year, right? Yeah, yeah, that was the one. That, that the was game, the one yeah. when the Colts game. Yep. I guess just mark it, count yep. it. But, um, yeah, the Colts lost. If All they had to do was win, and then they were in the playoffs, but they lost, which led to the Chargers and the Raiders. If they tie, yeah. they both make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. If they don't tie, uh, whoever wins is in, and Pittsburgh was going to get in. Right. And there's no way that was going to happen, right? No, no, no. Like, the, the odds of a tie happening are, you know, just it, – it's a crazy long shot, you know. Uh, and the way the game was going, it was very competitive. Well, I mean, people were even talking about before the game started, people were talking about, like, they should just kneel. Everybody just kneel, you know, however, 25 times or whatever and, <laughs> and seriously end the game 0-0 zero, zero, tie. Can you imagine what the NFL would have done to them? No. They would have <laughs> fined everybody so much money. They would have forced I mean, them to sell the teams. They would have taken their draft picks for the next 10 years. Yeah. That, who knows? Like, there, there's no – yeah, that, that, there's no way that could, have, that could have gone down. But, yeah, that was a very hot topic of conversation. People were like, well, get in the playoffs. That's your goal is to get in the playoffs. And then, you know, a big hot, hot debate you were seeing is like, no, you're playing to win a game. That's your job. You're supposed to win. Especially and, division, you and know, that's, interdivision that's, game. That's the thing that happened. Like, towards the end of the game, you know, it, they, they go – Chargers make a crazy comeback. Uh, Herbert and Mike Williams kind of take over the game at the end, tie it up. They go to overtime. They both kick field goals. So, like, there's only a couple minutes left on the clock. And the Raiders are running the ball. If people yeah. are thinking, "Oh shit, they're yeah. they're really gonna they're gonna go for this tie," and then I guess one of the uh, the, the interim coach I forget his name um, said, "Yeah, they talked about it. I don't know if they talked about it towards the end of that game there, but it was something that had come up." But I I would have had more of a problem with them doing that than than Chargers uh, taking that time out at the end. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I'm all for like I understand you want to make the playoffs and everything, but. 
to like help your divisional rival get in? I don't think that's necessarily helping your divisional rival, but okay, think about it. Like if you are, you know, if your team, had, like at that point they had the ball and, you know, it's the next score wins. Like there's so many ways that even with the ball, like the Raiders had the ball, that there's so many ways that they could still lose the game. And in that instance, what do you rather do? Do you want to lose the game or do you want to tie and make the playoffs, you know? Well, it's a, it's a percentage that we're talking about that's minuscule. We're talking about they have the ball in field goal range. It would have been a longer field goal before they took the timeout. It would have been a 55-yard Oh, I think, they would have kicked, I think they would have kicked it. Yeah, but, I mean, so what people were saying is if, if Staley hadn't taken that timeout, the Raiders were just going to kneel on the ball, and that's, I, can't, oh, I, I can't fathom that. That was the thing that people were saying. I got you. And there's no way I would see that happening. For one, because that would make, that would have put the Raiders in a position to go play the Chiefs. Right, right. And you don't want to do that. They get get to take their shot at the Bengals. But, and then it also, it's like, you're going to kneel to let your division rival in the playoffs? Like, that's not. No, I I think they were going to kick from where they were. Yeah, it would have been a 55-yarder. And then, but the chance of them that kick being so short that then somebody can return it or block it is so much smaller. Like no, that. I think they were going to, I think they were just going to run the clock down. Like they, like they did, they were going to call the timeout at four seconds and kick. Right. I think. Right. And then, you know, iron bull happens, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think, I don't, I don't think they were fully going to, do, I mean, I know people said it, but like, I don't think they were fully going to run it out because yeah, why there's no reason you'd want to go the one, let your division made in to go to Kansas City. Right. And three, like, you know that's going to be, you're going to get, you're going to get fined for that. You're going to, your team's going to get the hammer, even though they played a very competitive game, went to overtime. Like, if they were to kneel out to, to settle for a tie where they were in field goal range without attempting a field goal, like, the NFL would have fucking dropped the hammer on them. Yeah, I, I think they would have, they would have kicked. But it, it was a crazy game, and it was, it was crazy, too. There was times where a tie was so far away from anything i mean yeah. at one point the raiders were up like two touchdowns and then they went for two yeah. and didn't get it so they were up 12 and then like that's a weird score you don't score 12 yeah. you know and then later the chargers came back and then they went for two and right. got it yeah. and like it, it, it was, was it was a bonkers game yeah like yeah. there was there was a moment like i feel like i feel like when they went for two when uh, the raiders did it and didn't get it like, a tie was out. Yeah. Like, that was out. There's yeah. no, you know, no chance. The numbers are now weird. They're not numbers that happen in a game. And then new fucking one. happened. Yeah, <laughs> no. Chargers and Raiders games can be real weird. And I, I, I just got to say, like, I, as a lifelong Charger follower, most of my life being a hardcore fan, like, I just feel bad for Herbert that he's on this team. He's so good. And it just always seems like they find a way to fuck it up. <laughs> And I hope I hope he can get them all over that hump because he's yeah, so damn good. He is good. He, over five thousand yards. Yeah, that's crazy, yeah. crazy. Yeah. I did see a take that um, somebody was saying. I wish I remember who it was, but that Big Ben <laughs> kind of wanted a tie. <laughs> he um, he's done, man. And the thing, I mean, some of it kind of made sense. It was like, you know, if they tie, 
he's out of the playoff without having a say in it, yeah. and his career gets to end with yeah. the, the comeback against you know the Ravens, yeah. and, and they go into overtime, yeah. and you know he takes him down and scores, and had his last last moment that at was his, yeah, field too. That, exactly, like, that was that was yeah. how his career ends, and yeah. now they get to go get their asses kicked. He even said that he's like, yeah, we're probably the 14th best team in right now. Like, <laughs> yeah. We're not really supposed to be here. So, But I thought that was funny. Yeah, like, yeah, that kind of would have been a, an ending. Like, oh, I got us so close. Yeah. You know, I did that, but damn oh, that and then tie. He could have gone out blaming everybody else, too. Like, oh, the NFL really has to do something about these uh, ties. <laughs> so, yeah, now they get to go to Kansas City and have fun. Have fun, guys. Speaking of ties, there were a lot of overtime games this week. Yeah, it was a fun week. There was three overtime games, and they all had um, big playoff implications. You know, the Ravens and Steelers, like we were just talking about, um, though, you know, basically the winner of that game made the playoffs, you know, with as long as there wasn't a tie. Um, so that's, you know, that's how the Steelers got in. And then the 49ers and the Rams were playing and that went to overtime and the Niners had to win to get in because the Saints had won earlier so you know that was that was straight up if if the Niners win they they make the playoffs if they lose they're out I mean there was no yeah no tie situation yeah. in that yeah. they had to do it and that was fun um you know I'm a Niners fan so I gotta watch that it was that was a good game and then of course Las Vegas and the Chargers you know didn't end in a tie so yeah that was good. That Niners Rams game was crazy though. Like they were, the Niners were down seventeen and a half, right? And then I think they kicked. I think they kicked a field goal right at the end of the half to only be only be down fourteen. Yeah. I also saw uh, it was the first time McVay's ever lost having yeah. a halftime lead. Yeah. Yeah. He was something like forty-five and yeah, 0, yeah. It was in the forties for sure. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, fucking Debo, man. Like that guy is just a joy to watch. He he was like, I, I I think I got it from here, guys. Just make sure I get the ball. Yeah, and we'll win. I'll do it myself. Yeah, <laughs> threw a touchdown. Yeah, threw a touchdown this week. I was I was hoping there was a point towards the end of the game where they had him in the end zone and he would have had the the triple crown, the rush, the pass, and the catch for touchdowns and that's only happened three other times in the NFL so it, it would have been cool to see him get in on that because that wouldn't have just been a fluke he has been killing it all year this year so yeah yeah that would have been fun I, I you looked up that stat and I was surprised that it hadn't happened more. well I guess not really it makes sense it hasn't happened very often um some big names on that list yeah you got LT yeah. Walter Payton who was the other guy somebody the receiver for the uh Patriots in the early oh, 2000s yeah. Patton Patton David that's the guy yeah, yeah yeah weird um, there was a lot of coaching moves this week. Uh, Matt Nagy for the Bears was let go. Uh, no surprise there. He needed to go. Mike Zimmer for the Vikings. Um, that one wasn't really a surprise, but the Vikings have kind of been, you know, an okay team. Um, Vic Fangio, the Broncos let him go. I think that one was pretty expected too. Yeah. Though I feel like the Broncos are a quarterback away from being a pretty good team. So. Yeah. We'll see what they do in the offseason. Um, Joe Judge was finally let go by the Giants. That took a couple days. That was yeah, weird. Yeah, it seemed seemed like that was going to be one of those immediately and the season was over firings. I mean, I feel like that one should have been immediately like week 12. Yeah. But, yeah, they kept him for a few extra days. I don't know. Maybe they wanted to discuss something, but he's gone. But the big one, that the, the actual surprise, Brian Flores for the Dolphins. Yeah, I was shocked at that one because – I'm. They they lost what the first seven games or they lost seven in a row but they also won eight in a row. I think they, they were they, one in seven. Yeah, 
and it, then yeah. So they 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 played they played very well for him, and you know he did put together a pretty good team over the last two years. And I I, I don't know if it was uh, somebody was saying it wasn't necessarily his on on the field coaching stuff that that was a reason for it. I didn't read the article; it just kind of seemed clickbaity. But um, I don't know if there was something else going on behind the scenes. But I, I clicked on the article and it said that he wasn't very good with younger players. Like, and, and wasn't really good. Like, veterans could kind of do whatever they wanted, and some of the younger players just got ridiculed and treated like trash. Uh-huh. And I feel like that's kind of the way it is in the NFL, yeah. but I think he might have taken it a little extreme, is, is what the article was saying. Yeah. I don't, I don't okay. know how it is. But, yeah, he, I mean, the Dolphins were not a good team, and he's had back-to-back winning seasons and, you know, hasn't got him into the playoffs, but it's got him close, they're, you know, going down. To, yeah, going down to the, the last couple games. So I'm sure he'll get a job. Yeah. I mean, it, somewhere quick. And what I will say about all these coaching changes, too, is like this is a, such a crucial part for what I do in the offseason is I look at not only the new head coaches, but the coordinators that they bring in because, like, it's I'm not overselling it by saying that can change the entire complex of one player individually. If you get a pass-happy offensive coordinator come in and your, your wide receivers are going to go through the roof. If you get, like, an Anthony Lynn, your running back should go through the roof. Right, um, right. So you really, really pay attention, and not just the head coaching changes. It's not just the same players going in there. They literally change how those players play to fit their system, and their system can change their stat projections through the roof or through the floor. So definitely pay attention to any, any coaching news you see happening. And then look up the, those coaches' histories, see what they've done in the past. Yeah, speaking of, there are some, some pretty good um, coaching assistants out there that are up for jobs. And, you know, we had mentioned Brian Leftwich earlier right before the show when we were just talking about stuff, Kellen Moore. Right. Um, you know, there's some I think guys. Dan Quinn's the head, head guy who's going to be heading out, the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, he, he's gotten a couple interviews yeah. already. So there's definitely going to be some stuff moving. And it's one of those things where, you know, yeah, you want to see, you know, Leftwich deserves it. Let's let's get him a coaching job and see what happens. But at the same time, when you have players from his team right now on your dynasty teams, you're sad to see him go. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, in the grand scheme of it, he deserves it. Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was just – it was fun watching football and to see all the playoffs play out. Um, this week coming up, we actually have playoff games. Pumped on that. Um pumped to see how some of it turns out so we're gonna give some super bowl predictions we're gonna put it on the record who we um think is gonna go and who we think is gonna win uh who do you got me Adi? yeah so when i'm doing a super bowl prediction i really want to think about it and take my time really look at the entire team i want a complete team you know offense defense special teams coaching um so initially, you know, it's the easiest thing in the world to put the Chiefs and Tampa Bay back in there because right, they, they right. kind of cover all those things. But I think there's two teams that have a great mix of, like, really good coaching, really good offense, really good defense, and very good special teams. And when you combine that with the division that they're in, and it doesn't beat them up all year, you know, like the AFC West and NFC West, those are really tough divisions, and I think the attrition of them – playing those teams six times a year really puts a beating on them. Yeah. And so it's it's a little bit harder for me to pick one of those teams to go in. And that leaves the Chiefs out, which is weird because they've been in the Super Bowl two years in a row. And they're, I just think their division is a little bit tougher this, this year than it was the last couple of years. Oh, for sure. And the uh, NFC South, it's a, it's, it's, a tough, it's a tough run. They have serviceable teams there besides, you know, the Falcons, they, their offense was, was – 
you know, serviceable, but the defense did kind of have some big hitters on there. And then uh, the, the Panthers, they're, again, their defense, I'm looking at the defense that's beating up the offense, not necessarily competitive offenses, so they're keeping them in these games. Um, so I, I went away from both of those teams that I was initially thinking, and I went towards uh, two other teams that I think are going to be really good. And the, the Packers, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to get them back to that Super Bowl, finally. And then um, the Titans with a healthy Derrick Henry. I, I love Rabel as a coach. I think he coaches the hell out of that team through no matter what they're going through. And I think two years ago they were really close, but Derrick Henry ran out of gas. And I don't think you're going to have that problem this year. So I'm going to say Packers, Titans, and I'm going to take I'm going to take I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers to get that other ring, with the caveat saying I hope the Titans win. So I'll be all happy. right. All right. So um, you know I'll just come out and say I have the Chiefs in Tampa Bay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was you know you're right the the Chiefs seem like you know the best team that's always in there but this year they were not that good i mean they were they they were the you know they did really well but they just didn't look like the chiefs that were putting up 50 points a game in the years past they showed weakness they definitely did and i think that the bills are a little more complete team right now um i think with josh allen running and slinging the ball around and getting their running game going which they really have the last you know singletary has really been helping the team out a lot yeah um so i think the bills can make it from the afc i think the bills can go i think that their defense is good enough to get them in i think that their offense you know always can move the ball now to get the running game going i think they're going to be tough to beat i think they can easily beat the chiefs um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Bills. On the NFC, um, you know, Tampa Bay, betting against Tom Brady is just dumb. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know if they can, you know, with their injuries, you know, they lost. Uh, I guess Fournette may be back for the playoff run. Yeah. But, you know, Godwin's out. A.B. Checked out. Checked out. <laughs> um, you know, so I think their offense isn't going to be clicking the way it should be. Um, and I think that the Rams have a pretty complete team. I think with Stafford moving the ball the way he is, Sonny Michelle has been, you know, running the ball very well. And uh, ever heard of a guy named Cooper Cup? Heard of that guy. Yeah, yeah. he's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Um, so I'd like to see the Bills and the Rams get there. Um, no, that's not what I'd like to see. I'd like to see the <laughs> Niners go and the Niners win the whole thing, but I don't think we're quite there yet. But I think a Bills and Rams Super Bowl um, would be good. And I think the Bills can get it done. I yeah. think that, you know, nice. they can, after all those losses in the Super Bowl, I'm, I'm predicting the Bills to get it done, Josh Allen, to, to get a ring. Love it. Love it. Can't argue with any of that. Yeah, it would, it would be fun to watch, I think. I, you know, being an NFC West fan, the Rams would be, you know, uh, there's a weird, like, tough to root for because they're in your division but yeah. also if your division wins does it make your division seem better you know I, I don't know I never know what to do there I've always just said fuck every other team in my division yeah, yeah. that's I, probably what I'm going go Bills yeah. <laughs> there we go there we go there was some a couple injuries that just wanted to talk about real quick in the the college champion the national championship game Jamison Williams, he's a wide receiver for Alabama, and um, he, he tore his ACL. Um, we're talking college just because this guy is good. Yeah, yeah, he was really good. I mean, he was definitely a top prospect. Uh, I've heard some guys say that he was probably a top 20 NFL pick. 
um, you know, that's not fantasy. That's NFL, yeah. like, you know, first rounder for sure. Um, so that's a bummer. Um, originally, I was thinking, you know, he was a junior. He can go back to school, get a year, you know, get that year in. But I forget that ACLs aren't what, you know, the, the fix is a lot better now. I was thinking in my mind, oh, that's a year. He's out for a year for sure. And, yeah. And it's not that way anymore. Yeah, no, they're, they're, the science development has been miraculous as far as, you know, knees and, you know, Achilles. <laughs> it's like they're, they're, they're figuring out a way to, to help these guys get into physical training again and, yeah. and getting themselves back on the field pretty quickly. Yeah, um, but, I, they're basically saying, like, he'll, he'll still get drafted and he'll probably, you know, start the season on the pup list. But there's been a lot of – I mean, you know, Justin Jefferson didn't get going until week three, his rookie season. Yeah. Oh, boy, did he get going. <laughs> yeah. O, OBJ, you know, he was, he was out for a while. So I think he could still get some stuff done. Yeah, definitely. Uh, another injury to talk about um, is just Cam Akers for the Rams was actually back this week and, and got some carries. He got five carries. He, he only had three yards, but as a whole, the Rams running backs only ran for like two yards per carry anyways. Um, but he looked okay. I mean, you said you watched a lot of it, and he, he just didn't look timid, right? Yeah, I was, I was actually terrified the first couple times I saw him out there on the field taking hits. Um, but he wasn't terrified at all. He he looked decisive and um, I, I can't say explosive because he didn't break anything off. But he didn't look like he was shying away from contact at all, and he didn't look like he was favoring uh, a decision or any of the weight on his legs. And um, you know they did an interview with Matt Stafford and they said, yeah, his his work ethic's been miraculous. He's looking for more work, and we haven't seen anything that's going to keep him off off the field. We're still going to ease him in, but you know it's playoff time. He's he's going to get probably a little bit more run. You know, this week run, huh? and uh, probably more and more after that. And if they get to the Super Bowl, you might see a fully active Cam Akers, and that would be that'd be incredible. Like, yeah, I, I've been, I've been on record saying that I didn't think Cam Akers was going to do what everyone thought, and that his stock was too high, and blah blah blah. Yeah. But I'm I'm rooting for him. I mean, you know, this was a death sentence of an injury for so many years and for so many guys that that tore their Achilles and either never played again or barely played, came back and got re-injured or stuff like that. Just I mean, looked stiff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so to see him back in the same year that it happened and then to see him get some run was, was just awesome. I, I, I am rooting for him, and I hope he comes back and – can be a, a productive running back um, moving forward. Heck yeah. Um, we had a question from the bar. This question came from our, our Facebook page. And uh, Butt Fumble wants to know, does Rashad Penny get signed to a team as a starter next year, or is this his peak? What do you, what do you think is going on with Rashad Penny? Uh, I can... I think it can be both. Like, he can still get signed with another team, and I don't think he can necessarily be counted on to replicate this production I and mean, he's had what, what was it four out of the last five games he was over 130 yards and like yeah just he, a touchdown it like he ran for like 700 yards in five games or something yeah like that. it is something incredible incredible and so to expect that would would you don't want to expect that that'd be a fool's errand to expect that but I do think um with Chris Carson being in the last year of his contract they did do um a uh, restructure of his contract so he should be back next year but if they see you know 
another Rashad Penny showing up next year, it could be something where it's uh, a split backfield at the beginning of the year and then riding the hot hand the rest of the year. And if uh, Penny can do this, this is what we were all hoping he could do out of college. I mean, right, he, right, first round pick. Yeah, um, and he was he was dynamic at San Diego State. He was incredible. And he actually looks bigger and stronger now, which should happen after a couple years in the NFL lifting weights. But um, I think I think if he gets re-signed, that's great. If he gets signed to the Seahawks, that's fine, depending on who their coaching and offensive coordinator are. Um, but you can sell right now, if I'm understanding the correct, this correctly, you could probably sell him right now at the most you're probably going to be able to get for him. Yeah, I think that... I think he could, you know, I think there's going to be teams that are looking for him. I think that Seattle is going to, you know, look into bringing him back. I just don't think there's a team out there that's going to want to sign him and say he is our unquestionable number one. Right. I don't think his his history plays into it. I mean, you know, so do these last five games. They all play into it. But these last five games don't let you forget his first 25 games yeah. where he was injured all the time and he was missing games all the time or, you know, not looking good when he was in. Um, so I don't think there's a team out there that is just going to say, all right, let's hand him the reins. You know, Miami's not going to say, okay, he's it. He's a three down back for us and we're going to ride or die with him. Right. I, I think that there's, he'll definitely have people looking at him and I think he'll go into any situation um, as a committee back. You know, I, I think that that doesn't mean that he doesn't earn the lead spot in the committee. doesn't mean he doesn't have a good year, but I don't think anybody's going to try to. Yeah, it's not going to be brought in to be the guy. Right, yeah. right. Nobody's going to take these five games and just say, okay, that's it. Yeah. You know. Because he's had, he's had other games before in the past where, like, he's had a game or two and be like, dude, oh, shit, that looks really good, and then his leg falls off. or you know, Right, right, exactly. And then he's out for the season. He's never played. I mean, his rookie year, he was active for 14 games, but only – had 85 attempts you know the rest of his career he hasn't been played more than 10 games he had 10 games twice three games once he's never had over 120 attempts like he's not a proven asset yet so yeah yep that's how i feel too i think i agree with you you can sell him right now if you want or just hang on to him but don't count on him to be one of your top uh running backs you know just to start the year off as okay i'm set at running back i got austin eckler and rashad penny right you know that's that's not what you need Guys, we're going to get into our rookie player profile, but first I just wanted to touch on our sponsor. Our show this week is brought to you by Fresh Hop Cinema Podcast. Do you like movies? Do you like beer? Then this is the podcast for you. Max and Johnny take you on a journey filled with beer reviews, movie reviews. They have been extremely helpful in getting our show up and running, so give them a follow. Check them out. Once again, it's Fresh Hop Cinema Podcast. You can find them at freshhopcinema.com or on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the Fantasy Reaper himself. (laughs) (laughs) So we're starting our our rookie, um, you know, we're going to start talking about rookies. We're going to start talking about other guys that are going to get drafted this year and give you our thoughts and, you know, our information on them. Um, because there still is football going on, we're, we're starting on the playoffs. We're, we're not going to get crazy. We're just going to do one guy today. Um, probably during the playoffs, we'll probably only do one or two guys at most a week. But after football is officially done and, you know, all the rookies start, you know, combine, senior bowl, all that stuff, we really want to 
really want to give you guys enough information where you're prepared for your rookie drafts, right? Yeah, absolutely. And this is, we've said it before, this is what we've been looking forward to all year. Because um, Dynasty during the season, it's, you know, kind of, you, you have your rosters already set and then you use what's there. There's not a lot of movement on the waiver wires. But this is a time where you get to start stacking your bench. And knowing the depth of the draft and knowing who you need to take, that's going to be vital. So, um, getting to know the players just in a vacuum right now is awesome. And then once we know where they're going, it changes everything. Like, I, I can't think of a bigger example than CEH a couple years ago. Right. Um, as soon as he went to the Chiefs, he went up to the number, the 1-1. One, one. Yeah, I did that. And, yeah. Um, and, you know, before that, he was at the end of the first round, if even in the first. So, you know, it can make a big change. So I'm really, really looking forward to watching a lot of film and uh, sharing that with you guys. Yeah, I, I think that we... You know, we have been to the point uh, in Dynasty in rookie drafts where you're just kind of drafting the highest name on the list um, and sometimes not even knowing who they are. Uh, Our very first uh, rookie draft, it was a one-quarterback league. And, (laughs) you know, we the number one pick took Kyler Murray, and he had Tom Brady. We've mentioned it before, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, yeah. but we were like, oh, my gosh, you have to take Kyler Murray. <laughs> yeah. and we look back at that draft often and and laugh at it. It's very I humbling. Mean, I mean, some of the guys that were drafted in the first round were so bad. Yeah. I don't know what we were thinking. But, you know, now we want to get to the point where you don't have to do that. You're not just picking the top guy and saying, well, I'm going to take Joe Schmo here and Hopefully he turns out you're right. We want to start getting the names out there so you start recognizing the names, you start knowing who the people are, and you can make a little more educated decision, um, educated guess because they all are guesses. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's what you, there's still going to be plenty of people in your league that are doing just that. They're looking at the highest person, the next person on the, on the queue that the computer puts there for you. And so you're going to have like some people that you don't want they're off your draft board because we've talked about them or because you've made that decision yourself and they're going to still be getting drafted higher um so i i go into each draft saying you know i want to be able to name at least 20 players you know if i can name 20 players that's going to get me through the third round so i can still kind of hope and pick and choose and trade up or down to, to get the players that i want and then separate them into tiers too guys so you can move up into different tiers and get the players that you want in those tiers um that's very important so yeah, uh, in, in Dynasty, this is how you make your team better. I mean, you know, you can trade, you can do all that, but this is where new players come in, and this is how you can, you know, definitely improve your team. Yeah, and you can capitalize on the excitement, too. Like, the, there could even be players that you don't necessarily like, but you know that there's people in your league that just fucking are in love with them, and you can go in and draft them and package them in with a trade before the season starts, again, for another proven asset that you know you want on your team and combine it with something else. And uh, you're, you're getting what you want out of it eventually anyway. So it helps to know who these players are. Even if you're in the mindset like me where, like, I, I like to I, – I rebuild through the draft, but I mostly use those draft picks and then those – like the players that I've actually picked after the draft to turn those into proven assets that I like right before the beginning of the year. So it, it's all intertwined. It's all connected. And, yeah, you're totally right that if you're drafting – even if that's your plan is to turn your – drafted players and you know into proven players you still have to draft well yeah. and you still have to take the the player that other people want if you just go in and you have pick three and you take rb8 yeah you know that's not going to help you trade that for a proven asset yeah. so 
Our first player, actually, the, just the player we're doing this week, um, is Brees Hall. He's uh, the running back for Iowa State. He's six foot one, uh, 220 pounds. His current ADP in rookie drafts right now is number one, number one overall. He is the number one running back. In 2021, he had 253 carries for 1,472 yards, which is 5.8 yards per carry. That's good. He had 20 touchdowns rushing. He also had 36 receptions for 302 yards and three more touchdowns. And he scored a touchdown in uh, NCA record 24 straight games. Yeah, that's insane. So Guy has a nose for the end zone. Uh, Miyagi, what are your thoughts on this player? So I, I really enjoyed watching film on this guy. And I want to clarify, this is the first player that I've watched film on to break down. I've watched a lot of film on players just to see how kind of I feel about them. Um, so if this is... Um, you know, a little off kilter. Forgive me. I'm 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 new to this, but I'm loving it. Uh, so first thing I saw, he has really good vision. So he seems to see a large portion of the field. Uh, he changes his running direction accordingly to which way the defense is moving at the snap. Like he's very quick with that decision, and uh, he can see the movement behind behind the initial line of the linebackers, and um, he's decisive, and that's my next thing. He's a very decisive runner. Uh, he sees what the defense has given him, he makes his move, and he explodes towards it. That's a good thing to have. You don't want somebody getting too shifty, too cute behind the line. Uh, I've seen that a lot in college, where it works in college. They get to the NFL, tackle for loss every time. If you're trying to jump around, Melvin Gordon was notorious for that his rookie year. That's why he sucked so bad. He was back there trying to, trying to be too cute. Um, I will say this, so he, uh, he has really shifty legs. You know, that's, that's good hip work. He changes position of his hips quickly, uh, so the defense can't overly commit to one gap. They have to be ready for him to make that shift so they can't just fill each gap right away because uh, there's a threat of him breaking it to the outside, and that leads to tackles, you know, for losses if they can nail him back there. So if they can't do that, uh, he's, he's not losing a lot of yardage. I, I didn't see too many plays where he was getting tackled behind the line. There's obviously some, there always is, but you could see him making those moves to avoid that. And another great thing uh, is body control. Uh, body control to avoid big hits, big direct hits. That's a skill I don't think gets enough attention. Right, right. Uh, that was like one of my favorite things about LT is like he would be running or, or you could just see him make that one slight shift of his shoulders or his legs to avoid like a direct head-on collision type of hit. And if you can avoid those devastating blows and turn them into just glancing blows, that's less impact on your body. That means you're going to have longer shelf life. It means that your best ability is going to be there, which is your availability. So if he can be on the field more, that's going to be great for you. Um, I did see he has, like, natural hands. I'm going to say he's, a be like, the best wide receiver, wide receiving running back. But when he catches a ball, he's very good natural catching ability um it's not uncomfortable like you see like um who's stone hands jordan howard right, where he just right. jabs his hands out in the air to try to hopefully the ball will stick to his hands and it ends up ricocheting off he's not like that he's a very natural catcher and um that means you know he, he has the potential of being a three down back um and you know that's ultimately what you want especially with somebody who's going to be the one one in a rookie draft you want a, a bell cow back uh, who's going to be who's going to be on the field for all three snaps? So he has that potential, um, and you know with his size, he is um, what was it six one two twenty? 
Yeah, uh, yeah. He, you know, that's a bigger back. He can stay on the field, and if he can catch a ball and he's explosive, that's exactly what you want for your three-down back. Um, and uh, that's that's what I got for the good, man. I saw a lot of good. I was really excited to see him in the NFL. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed watching his tape as well. He, he really jumped out um, to me. I agree with you. His vision and his patience behind the line um, were really good. He, he looked like he kind of could slow it down behind the line a little bit and then just boom, go. Um, when he hit the hole, it looked like he, he hit it well. Um, it looked like there was many times where he was just kind of going to hit the line and it would just kind of be, you know, maybe get to the line of scrimmage or maybe gain a yard. And then all of a sudden he would be three yards past the line of scrimmage. You know, it looked like it just looked like he hit it hard and made a lot of positive you know, positive yards, which I think also will help around the goal line. He looked like he, you know, he wasn't just getting stopped at the goal line a lot. He was making the extra yards, which, you know, when you're at the one yard line, if you're just running into your line and that's it over and over again, you're not going to get the opportunities there. And, and he didn't, he looked like he was consistently, you know, putting in the work and finding the right hole and making a couple yards. I mean, there was times where he broke through and he was great as yeah. well. I just mean, there was times when I thought the play looked like done. It looked like he was, okay, he gets to the line, that's it. Oh, man, wow, that was four yards. That was five yards, you know. I thought he did that very well. He did look very elusive, and uh, I agree with what you were saying about his hips. He kind of, you know, used his hips well to evade tackles, and, yeah, exactly what you're saying, not take a big hit where you just, you know, getting cream getting smeared and just being you know like you said availability is your best ability so i i agree with that too he did look like a good receiver it looked easy to him um i saw a couple drops but you know that happens to everybody nothing nothing bad nothing jordan howard-esque you know he looked he also looked like there was no panic you know when the ball was in the air there was i saw one where it was just completely floated up to him and he was ready you know waiting for it to get there and then caught it and then turned and went upfield you know he was he was facing the quarterback when it was in the air and he you know he caught it made the catch and then was ready to 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 turn and run so i think he definitely looked like he's going to be, you know, a top running back coming out, if not the top, you know, running back coming out. I, I enjoy his tape and, and, and I like him a lot. I, I have a, I have a one, one pick and right now he would be my guy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, just to go back like the patience, I, I, I can't believe I didn't write that down. Cause I was thinking a lot about that when I was watching it, but like he, he knows how to, not just run towards a hole where he's supposed to be. If he sees like there's movement on the line in a certain direction, he will slow down just a heartbeat until and wait for that gap to open up. He's not just running to it prematurely and just trying to barrel his way through there. He'll wait for his blockers to get their job done. And that's awesome. That's yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. There is some bad. I mean, that's how it works and you can't just love everything. What did you see that you weren't super happy with? Yeah. So again, this is the, kind of consensus 1-1 running back so even the bad stuff I'm saying it's still better than a lot of the players we're going to be talking about later um so but the first thing I noticed was his breakaway speed you know it's not elite which again it's still very good but not elite elite um the funny thing is when you notice breakaway speed that means he's already created a breakaway run right (laughs) so it's just a difference between making a 40 yard run a 70 yard run um where you know a defender can chase him down yeah it just 
that's I think forty yards and seventy yards the exact situation. Like the forty yards, he had it. He was doing yeah. you know he could do forty yard runs no problem. But then it like almost looks like his speed ran out. Yeah. Almost like you know the video games where you have a little meter, you know, and then <laughs> yeah. like once your meter goes down, and that's kind of what it looked like. It just looked like it didn't quite last. He he could do forty yards no problem. But I, we saw him get chased down a couple times. Yeah, yeah, and it could be a combination of two things. It could be conditioning. I know one of them I saw, it was when he was just coming back off of an injury he had in the offseason, so they were saying his conditioning might have been a thing there. Uh, and the other thing is the other team has really fast players too, and sometimes it takes them longer to get to you. And so right. it looks like they're catching up, but they were running from across the field. Um, but altogether, all still really, really good, just not elite. He's, it, right. When he's in open space, you can't just count that as he's, he's housing that, you know. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll say, although the, catching the ball seemed natural to him, um, his route running kind of sucked. Yeah, I didn't really see him running too many. What I saw was more of I felt like he was leaking out of the backfield. Yeah. Um, I didn't really, so I didn't pay attention. I didn't really see him, like, running routes. But, yeah, he just kind of. So I saw a couple wheel routes where it looked like he just kind of gave up on him. Okay. Um, I saw a couple where he was lined up in, in the slot and just, kind of like moseyed on out okay. wasn't really yeah. explosive yeah. it was it, i don't know if it was he knew he wasn't getting the ball so he was just kind of distracting the defender or whatever i don't i don't i don't know i wasn't Even on the that, field though, a lazy distraction isn't a distraction yeah um but he just there was no crispness to it you know like when you see a really good route running you're like damn that was sharp like yeah. there was decisive quick twitch movements and then boom you're gone i uh, definitely didn't see that from him um so uh yeah, it, it seems like the explosive shiftiness that he possesses like is only there when he has the ball, like in his hand already. Sure, sure. Um, so, uh, you know, if he, if he's trying to improve and, and get more active, and that's what I was saying, I, I hope uh, he's more of a three-down back. He's got to work on those route runs. And, you know, if you're in on a third down, you're generally trying to chip and then leak out anyway. That's, that's normally what you want to do. But, um, yeah, I mean, you can see a huge difference – uh, between like a really aggressive running back route runner, uh, some of the other guys I was watching were very good route runners, and then you just put that side by side to him, and then you kind of start to see, oh, okay, that that looks slower because he's definitely still moving faster than I ever could. But <laughs> you know, like when you compare him next to other elite athletes, and you're like, oh shit, he's not quite on that level yet. And then that kind of leads me to my third thing is the pass protection. Um, I didn't see a whole lot of opportunity because he was on the sidelines. And if he's on the sidelines for third downs, that's concerning. That means that there's an issue with his pass protection. And the ones I did see, it was, you know, he would do a little chip and then, you know, leak out. But it wasn't um, – it, it didn't seem like it was enough to really disturb the defender that was going after the quarterback. It was just like a shoulder bump and then, you know, a pirouette and then spin out and then, and then run to the flat. Um, and – if that's kind of what they're seeing every day in practice, that's probably why he's not on the field for third down a lot. And if you want to go to the NFL, you better know how to protect your quarterback. Otherwise, you will not be on the field for those third down plays. Yeah, yeah. See Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I agree that with his, you know, with his speed for sure. We already mentioned that, uh, you know, and I think that. He looked powerful when he, like I was saying, when he got through the line, when he hit the hole, I feel like he, he looked powerful when he was consistently making yards. I just felt there was times where he got tackled really easy, like before he hit the line. Like if, if, a, if a defensive end or a defensive lineman got past the, the offensive, I mean, which it's a one-on-one play, but it just felt like sometimes he went down easy. Yeah. And I, 
I, it didn't happen a lot. I just saw a couple times where it was like, man, when you run through the line of scrimmage, you make it through, you know, eight to ten people consistently, and you end up with positive yards. And then there were some times where I was just like, man, that guy just barely touched you and you went down. Um, but, again, that's nitpicky and, and just, you know, we're watching the film looking for things to talk about that aren't, you know, great. So that's one. And then, yeah, pass, his pass blocking – there was, a, I saw a couple times, I was watching, the tape I was watching was just the tape when he, it was just him. It was all his plays broken down, you know, back to back to back. So I didn't see the third downs where he wasn't on the field. So that is, you know, that is a little concerning that he's not in on third down if, if he wants to be or if he's going to be a, a three down back. But some of the pass blocking I saw, I saw a little bit where he looked willing and he kind of got his, his head in there and got his nose, you know, in there on a guy. But he looked like he was overpowered. But, again, that's, I mean, a defensive lineman and, yeah, a, and, and a running, running back. back. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's that going to happen yeah. a lot, you know. So um, it's not, you know, again, I'm, I'm nitpicking a little bit. But, you know, mostly what I saw was, like you said, a little chip here and then he was leaking out. Or a lot of times he was just leaking out, uh, you know, to be the – you know, be a pass catcher anyways. He didn't really stick around. So it's hard to to say totally what he's going to be. But not being in on third down a lot would lead you to the conclusion that he needs to work on that. Yeah, sure. yeah, that was that was my main red flag. And I would started looking back at the tape after that, probably already thinking I was looking for something that I didn't like. So, yeah. Right, right. When, you're, <laughs> when you're, you're watching it, you know, you want to – you know, you want you you basically need to say, well, I didn't like this or I didn't like that, yeah. and you know, I felt like some of that stuff was hard to find, which I think in turn means he's doing a good job. Oh yeah, yeah, and also um, I'm I'm still learning what all these little subtleties behind the line mean. Right, you know, right. like I've, I I listen to a lot of people breaking down film, like oh they're you know they're they're wiggled they're this or that, and I'm like okay, is that what this means? Because I'm seeing that and I want to use a word for it, so. Um, yeah, it, it's it it was a it was a joy watching because he is a very very good running back. But like you said, we can't just fall all over ourselves gushing over a guy. There there is he's not a perfect running back, so there is some stuff to keep an eye on. And then uh, again, all this plays into if he's going to a team that needs you know a three down back, or if if he goes to a Bruce Arians team where like if you're not protecting the quarterback, you're not getting on the field. Like all that stuff that you really need to keep in mind. Yeah, speaking of, um, one, do you have a player comp for him? And two, uh, where are some places you'd like to see him go? Sure. So um, for my player comp, um, it's, so, it, it's so hard to do because if I'm going to compare him to a player, that means it's a player that's known, which means if they're, if, if they're known, that means they're really good. And I'm not calling for this guy to come out of college and be Le'Veon Bell, but that's who I kind of see in his running style. Very similar size. Um, and I think the most important thing, that's why I circled back to it earlier, is his patience, man. Like, he will run up to a line, take two steps toward the line, and then see his offensive line moving in a direction, and he'll wait for his blockers right behind him, and then boom, explode right through past him as soon as he sees a hole. And that's, um, that's something that you, you really love to see. I'm not saying, again, I'm not putting him anywhere near that level of, of Le'Veon Bell's for his productivity because – another aspect of, of Bell's game was his route running and pass catching, and I don't think Brees Hall is there yet. But as a runner, I see a lot of similarities as far as 
waiting for that hole, being patient, and then exploding. So that's that's who my comp is. You want you want to know where I think he's going, or you, or do you got a comp for him? No, I mean my comp is 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 the same. Anytime you see somebody with that kind of patience and it, vision it, behind the line, it's so hard not to just you know, think of Le'Veon Bell. Um, and then I was trying to think, you know, I just, I feel the way he, the way he gets through the line of scrimmage, I feel like he's going to be a good goal line back. And I was trying to, you know, who are some good goal line backs and nothing really jumped out. I mean, you kind of either are, or you aren't, and there's definitely guys out there, but um, nothing but he jumped out like, oh, it looks like that when he does it. But Le'Veon was the one. That, yeah, for yeah. Sure. I, I remember the first time I saw Le'Veon play and I was like, that's different. Because normally you're used to seeing them run towards the line and then they're just expecting for a hole to open up as soon as they get there where Le'Veon will run up and wait for it to open and then boom. And um, that was something I'd never seen before. And I don't know if uh, that's something that they're starting to teach now in college or younger running backs, but I've seen it a little bit more. I even saw Eckler do it quite a bit this yeah, year, and, and he yeah. kind of has to because he's just a little fella. Uh, but, you know, he's trying to get in that end zone, and they weren't using him as the inside the 10-yard guy for a while, but he's learned to be patient, find a hole, and, like, he just explodes right through it too. So if Brees Hall can keep that same energy in the NFL, I think it's going to be a really good thing. Yeah, where, where do you want to see him go? So I really want to see him to go to Miami. Um, I, I think Miami's invested pretty heavily in their O-line the last couple years. I think they're a solid running back away from being a very good team, and they can pick them up in the second pretty easily, if not waiting till the third. I don't think a lot of running backs are going to go in the early second. So, I mean, they would basically have their pick of it because they do have an earlier second-round pick. Um, and, you know, all of this is contingent, obviously, on who their new, their new coach is. So if they have, like, a, I don't know, Eric Bieniemy or something go in there, and he's just super offensive mind and finds creative ways to use running backs. Uh, I would I would love to see him go there. Yeah, I guess my number one spot is somewhere that needs a, a three down running back would be would be my my best spot. But yeah, Miami would be really good. I think the Falcons or the Bills would be really good too. I think Devin Singletary this last couple weeks has shown that the Bills do want to run the ball and can run the ball. I just think that Singletary's, you know, quite a bit smaller than than somebody like Brees Hall. And I think, you know, Brees Hall could really step in and, and do well and, and take some of the load off Josh Allen. I mean, and some of these guys, you know, you've seen it this year. Even Lamar Jackson, you know, yeah. he got hurt this year. There's no way these coaches want to have their best asset, their person making the team run be out there taking the hits that they are I think so I think even you know Josh Allen doesn't want to they don't want him running the ball as much as he is they would rather have a guy that can can do it and I think that Brees Hall would be great for him yeah yeah that'd be a perfect it'd be a perfect spot all right, guys, that's going to do it for our, our first rookie profile. Um, again, that was Brees Hall. Uh, right now he's the, the RB1, the projected RB1. And um, ADP, he's, he's the number one rookie off the board right now. So I think overall we're both a fan, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so um, like I said, we'll be getting into more of that, talking more rookies as we go. I think we'll probably stay on the running backs for a little while and then get to some of the wide receivers a little bit later. There's there's going to be quite a few wide receivers. Oh, there's um, some good ones. Yeah, there are there's definitely some good ones, and sad that Jameson Williams got hurt in the, in the championship game. Um, all right, we're going to get into our six-pack of the week. This is a six-pack recap. We're going to... We're going to recap the 2021 fantasy season, fantasy players, kind of the best and the worst of, of 2021. 
Um, you know, and so we're going to kind of talk players and just a little bit of what we expect for them for next year or, or going forward. But first off, we're going to do our, our fantasy MVP. Miyagi, who do you got? Yeah, a shock to no one, I'm sure. Uh, Cooper Cup, and it's not even close for me. Uh, incredibly consistent. His lowest week total was 8.9. Um, he, he, he averaged 114 yards per game eight and a half catches in just about a touchdown a game like I can't imagine making my championship run without him on there I can't imagine him being on somebody's team and them not at least making the fantasy playoffs he's incredible yeah he he was amazing unless you traded for him the last couple weeks of the season and didn't win your championship so bitter (laughs) (sighs) luckily he's off my team now no just kidding Cooper Cup is amazing he was great I mean the season was it was incredible he deserves it there. I went a little different direction. My MVP was Jonathan Touchdown Taylor. So good. Um, he was drafted, you know, somewhere seventh or eighth running back and finished with almost 2,200 yards from scrimmage. He had 40 receptions this year, 20 touchdowns. Uh, that will get you the MVP. Um, only had two games under 12 points, and he even had a 50-point game, you know, just for fun. Yeah. Um, just major shout outs, Debo and Austin Eckler were both had amazing seasons and, and if you had them, you probably had a good season too, but didn't quite make where these two guys did. Yeah, both again incredibly consistent. And then, you know, Jonathan Taylor, we're talking like what, the one one next year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. For okay. sure. Um, I guess we forgot to mention, uh, yeah, I think Jonathan uh, Taylor is the one one next year. Uh, how do you think Cup does next year? Uh, so I think he's going to be a first-round draft pick in, like, redraft leagues. I think he's probably going to finish, obviously, a little bit less than this year, but I still wouldn't be surprised to see him around 12 to 15 touchdowns above 1,400 yards. Yeah, I think that he's going to be down a little bit. I don't think he'll be the wide receiver one, but some of that is more because I think some of these other guys are going to continue the leap that they're on, Justin Jefferson, you know, Jamar Chase, stuff like that. Not that I don't think he's going to do well. I think he's still going to be a top wide receiver for sure. Yeah, and if he just stays healthy, that's always been a thing. He's been great and he's gotten hurt. So if he can just stay healthy, I mean, sky's the limit still. Um, who was the biggest fantasy bust for you? Yeah, this this is heartbreaking because I, I love Allen Robinson, and he's coming off back-to-back wide receiver one seasons, and he was considered to be, like, the safe guy to take, like, just because of the volume. You know, his volume was so safe. Um, but between the coaching staff, his contract issues, the inconsistency at quarterback play, um, he fell off the map, man. He, like, disappeared. His season high was 68 yards in – like after that, I think his season high was forty something yards. Uh, he didn't even break the five hundred yard mark. It was just sad to see him from one of my favorite players. He's he's always kind of been one of my guys, and he it was it was tough this year, man. He was really bad. Yeah, he w- he was really bad, and it was tough. He he had been pretty quarterback proof going into this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think that? Some of it was that he was on the franchise tag and didn't want to be. Yes. And just kind of came in, not not a bad attitude, because I don't think he showed that, but just kind of not the full, like, will to be out there every game. Yeah, I, I, that, that's a way to put it. Um, I think... I think if you're a wide receiver and you really want your big contract, you've been working towards it, he'd been super consistent for him, and you get franchise tag, that definitely takes some wind out of your sails. I hope they figure out a way to not do that with Devontae Adams next year. But it, 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 that can definitely be a thing. And then when it's pretty clear they just drafted another 
rookie wide receiver to changing of the guard and, and to know that you're probably not going to be part of their plans in the future anyway. I'm not saying he mailed it in or checked out or anything like that, but um, it, it, I mean, some of the passes thrown his way were so god awful nobody could have got them. Yeah, so it could right, have it, sure. it could have been a number of things. Um, I but think, I think the contract situation definitely played into it a bit. I I think that there was, you know, there I think there's a situation where when you have the contract that you think you deserve and your team is winning and you are, you know, things are working well for you all of a sudden your ankle injury that you have you're gonna you're gonna play through it and you're gonna yeah. go out there and you're gonna do it and I feel like he was in a situation where he was kind of like nah I'm not gonna put you know I'm not gonna put my ankle on the line for you guys when you guys didn't step up and and give me the contract that I deserved so I'm gonna sit this one out and not in like a bad way I just feel like he you know they weren't happy together the marriage wasn't there and sometimes things that you know in a good marriage you'll overlook he wasn't willing to do that this year yeah uh my fantasy bust is ezekiel elliott and i know as an rb6 on the year it's uh hard to say he was a bust but i feel like a lot of that comes from his first five games of the season um after week six he never had more than 50 yards rushing and, you know, I feel like it would have been better if he would have just said, my knee's injured, let's sit me out for two or three games and get healthy, and then I'll come back healthy, and I'll, I'll do it. Instead, he, he kept going out there and kept trying to play. And um, down the, the back stretch of the season, um, he scored a couple of touchdowns where the end of the game, it was like, oh, he had 12 and a half points. That didn't kill me. But then the games when he didn't have a touchdown, he had four and a half points, and it did kill you, uh, especially for where he was drafted. I, he didn't live up to that at all. Yeah, what's what's really funny, I don't know if you've just realized what you just did, though. You were talking about Allen Robinson not wanting to rush back from his ankle injury because <laughs> he wasn't paid, and then Zeke definitely got fucking paid. So he rushed back from his ankle injury. To, no, to that's, try to play, that is, no, no, that is, that is 100% my point. Yeah. No, no, that is my point, is that Zeke was willing to play through the injury because Zeke was paid. Yeah. Allen Robinson was not because he was like, you guys didn't pay me what I'm worth. No, I'm not going to put myself on the line. That's exactly what I am saying. Yeah, and still fantasy bust because he, he, it, it would have been better, like you said. It would have been better if he just was out and you could have started Pollard or shifted to somebody else you had on your roster. But just the mystique of having Zeke in your lineup of, like, being a bell cow running back just to kill it and get you some points, like, that is um, – that's a hard thing to, to bench, you know. And yeah, especially totally. after he showed it earlier on in the season. So that is by definition a bust of somebody that you have to start because he's on your team and you can't trade because his value keeps decreasing at every week, but you have to keep starting him because he's fucking Zeke. So, I did it in the championship uh, game. I started Zeke and hated it and he got me four and a half points. And I in turn traded him the second day of the off season. Yeah, get that shit off your roster. Yeah. Um, how do we see these guys next year? What do you think Allen Robinson does next year? Uh, it's all contingent on where he goes, man. Yeah, for like, sure. You know, if he goes, if he goes somewhere with a good quarterback and a good system, uh, I think he can get back to that wide receiver, high end wide receiver two, maybe low end wide receiver one area. If he goes somewhere not great, then I'm I'm not going to touch him because we saw the floor this year, and that's something I don't need on my team. I want him to go to a team that appears to want him 
and Tampa Bay. As long as he does that, I'm I'm in. I traded for him in a dynasty league this year. Um, I don't think I played him once. He sat on my bench the whole time, but I have him. Um, didn't he have a year like this? Like, didn't he have a real big year in Jacksonville? And uh, you know, I think that was the year he had like 1,500 yards or something. Yeah. And then I feel like the the next year he was he was down and and didn't quite have a good year and then came back and has been the guy that we've known for for a couple years until again until this year yeah so he um had that yeah wide receiver one year and then the the next year it it, he played all 16 games and got exactly half the yards and um less than half the touchdowns. so yeah i don't know how much of that was having blake bortles as your quarterback or him wanting to get paid but yeah you're right that's that's a good that's a good call i've i'd forgotten about that i thought he got injured the next year but he played all 16 games yeah no so i'm i'm hoping that this year is just i don't know something sometimes doesn't click for him and i'm hoping next year he'll come out and and be really good um, I also I think Zeke will be healthy next year, and I think that he'll still have a good year. Um, in my dynasty league, I traded him um, just one. I was bitter um, and didn't probably didn't get enough for him. And two, there just does come a point where some of your older guys you do need to move on for in dynasty, and I would rather move on before they're not worth anything instead of after they're not worth anything. But I, I think he'll still be pretty good next year. I, I'm predicting he'll be somewhere in the, the 10 to 14 range, you know, running back 10, running back 14, somewhere in there. Yeah, I was thinking pretty confidently he'll be a running back two next year. Uh, always has that running back one upside. Um, but I don't think they need to use him like that anymore. With Pollard being in there to be kind of a change of pace back, um, you I think he's a safe running back too, and that there's spots for those on your team. You need those players, but um, you can't look at him as a top five back anymore. Yep, that's how I agree too. Sweet. Um, all right, we're gonna go with the the biggest sleeper, um, a guy who was who was picked later later in the draft, but uh, came up big for you. Who'd you have? So this one for me was th- there was two two players, that, but Debo by by a landslide it got got my heart. I mean, this guy was picked up in the ninth round. Um, he had 1,770 total yards from scrimmage. Uh, killed it as a running back. Killed it as a wide receiver. Killed it as a quarterback, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 14 total touchdowns. He was incredible early and often. Maintained that dynamic production all through the year. Uh, not only is he fun to watch live on your screen, but it's fun to watch those stats kind of blow up as you're checking your app to see, like, four-point four jumps here and there. Um, d- dude's just incredible incredible and it's it's again it's one of those things like uh with cooper cup you're like man if he puts together a healthy season you could see some crazy right, ash right and, for sure yeah, so that's what we saw this year and holy smokes was it fun to watch yeah no uh, especially as a Niners fan i loved it um he was our offense he he did everything i mean elijah mitchell was great too and could help but when he started running the ball you're, and you're right they were like big chunks where you know he would get the ball it'll be a 40 yard play or it would be a 25 yard touchdown and you're definitely watched your numbers jump it was it was great to have him um i drafted him in a couple places with the intent to fully trade him to 49ers fans and um it was fun to hang on to him and yeah. not do that yeah yeah and just watching a bunch of the Niners games there was so much inconsistency with like you know Jimmy's accuracy or Trey Lance when he was in there was like there was plays where he was wide open again 
30, 40 yards down the field that you knew he was running for another 20 yards after that that just missed yeah. also. Yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. his season could have even been bigger than it was, which is bonkers to think about. Uh, my sleeper was Leonard Fournette. Um, he Great was pick. drafted in the eighth round. Um, his ADP, though, had him as running back 30, and he finished as running back six in PPR. Um, he had over 800 yards rushing and 450 yards receiving. That's awesome. Um, yeah, they were just throwing him the ball like crazy. He also had uh, 10 touchdowns. The only sad part was is that if you drafted him, you didn't have him in your, your fantasy playoffs. Um, so it was great. He had a great season. He got you to the fantasy playoffs is what you're you know looking for, but kind of a bummer that he got hurt and couldn't you know couldn't have him for that to carry you to a title yeah and that was the only reason he wasn't my guy um that i wanted to pick because the the production at the end like it not his fault injuries happened but yeah that lasting um stigma of him just not being in your lineup where tebow like killed it <laughs> yeah 100 <laughs> percent um i think you know moving forward next year uh i think debo is still going to be our number one offensive option uh in san francisco i do think though he may lose some production if Trey Lance is, you know, starting quarterback, mostly because I think Trey Lance is going to eat up some of those rushing yards. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. And um, instead of just a little check down to him and a run afterwards, like Trey Lance is going to be running for that himself. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think it would be, as a defense, it would be scary to have uh, Trey Lance and Debo in the backfield, you know, not knowing who's going to keep the ball or, or where the ball's going to go. Um, but uh, him and an RPO with Mitchell, too. Right, nice. right, yeah. exactly. But I think, you know, some of that where when he's back there and Jimmy's there, Jimmy's not running the ball. It's either going to go to Debo <laughs> or it's, you know, where there will be times where with Trey Lance it's – Trey Lance is going to keep it. Yeah, they're going to have to run up to the line. Yeah. But uh, I still think he'll he'll be really good next year. Leonard Fournette, he's a free agent. Um, kind of all signs would say he goes back to Tampa Bay. Oh, I hope but, so, man. Um, he, you know, he could do some other stuff. But I think Tampa Bay showed him that they wanted him and they wanted to use him when Jacksonville let him go. So I would imagine he would stay there and, and probably keep up, you know, similar – I mean, he's young, too. He's, he's only 26. Yeah, yeah, that, that surprised me because I thought he's been old forever. Um, but, yeah, if he goes back to Tampa Bay and Tom Brady's back and, um, you know, he, they have a whole season because he didn't even start getting utilized till like, week four the way right, he was. Right, And so if you have a whole season of that, I mean, I'm trying to get him wherever I can. I, I think he, you'll be probably be able to get him in the third round maybe um, or second round of redraft leagues, and I'm going to try to pick him up for sure. I think my only worry would be is if they brought in uh, a receiving back that was younger than some of the guys they brought in this year. Because they actually had receiving backs this year, right? Wasn't um, James White and Giovanni Bernard there? Uh, yes. And Did, they, yeah. and, um, they didn't really get used. Yeah, they Fournette gave, still was yeah, getting They gave it all to Fournette. Yeah. So I think as long as that's the case, and I don't know who it would be, but just that would be my only worry is if they brought in somebody that – you know, another, you know, J.D. McKissick type that had... Carry on Johnson. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> that had 70 catches or something <laughs> like that. But I think, uh, I think Leonard Fournette's going to stay the guy. Yeah. Uh, all right. How about our highest riser? How about somebody who we're going to see the biggest ADP jump from this year to next year? So um, I'm going to go ahead and go with Amon Ross A. Brown. And... Um, it's the again, sun god. yeah, the sun god. It, it's 
it's how he finished the season, man. Like the last six games of the season, so like a third of the season, he was averaging eight point one or eight and a half receptions a game, ninety-three yards, and just under a touchdown. That's just under twenty points a game. On a seventeen game pace, that would be fifteen hundred and eighty one yards, seventeen touchdowns, and one hundred and forty four receptions. That's wow. outstanding production. I'm not calling for that next year, but I think for sure he is in line to be a wide receiver too with wide receiver one upside. Um, I, I don't think that's far fetched at all. I think he can finish as the wide receiver seventeen pretty easily next year. Um, that's even with Hawkinson kind of coming back and being part of that. And um, I think. I don't know. I think he was undrafted in most uh, redraft leagues this year or a, a last-round pickup. And, you know, next year I could see him going in, like, the, the fifth, sixth round as a secondary um, wide receiver that you're putting on your team. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be – I mean, he'll definitely be drafted for some teams as their wide receiver two, 100% everywhere for at least a wide receiver three. Yeah, I mean, in the last six games – uh, where, where his main production was, he amassed a season total that was more than C.D. Lamb's rookie year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and I think because it was the last games of the year yeah. and helped legitimately win teams championship, uh, I think that he'll stand out, and I think he'll be drafted, you know, like you said, much higher than, than he was this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my pick is Elijah Moore. Love that guy. Um, he only played in 11 games, but still managed to get over 500 yards and six touchdowns. And a couple of those 11 games, he had less than 40% snap counts. Um, in his blow-up stretch, he played six games. And if you, you know, turn that into a 17-game pace, kind of like you just did, mm-hmm. it was 95 catches, 1,300 yards, and 14 TDs. Um, so I think, you know, and his quarterbacks were pretty bad. Yeah, all, I was going to say year that. Long. Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, he's definitely, he was kind of the end. I mean, he was kind of a hot rookie name, so he was probably drafted, um, you know, in most formats last year. But I think that next year he's going to be drafted higher, and I think he's going to, you know, get closer to, to some of these numbers. Um, but also his blow up was in the middle of the season and then he didn't play didn't finish the year he got injured so it wouldn't surprise me if uh Amon Ra gets drafted ahead of him for sure well I think you could get the best of both worlds here you can see that he's done it and then get the dip of 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 ads or um Jeez, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like draft positioning right. because he didn't finish strong. So you could end up getting. People are going to forget about it. Yeah, him you can bit. get that, you know, uh, that production level, but like in the eighth or ninth round maybe. And, and that could be huge. Definitely. I uh, have him in a couple dynasty leagues and I'm pretty excited about oh, that. Yeah, I'm okay, last dance player. Who's who's player that's kind of on their way out? You know, they're, they're, they're not going to keep up the production that they've had in the past. Yeah, I, I'm. It's sad, but I, I got to go with Julio Jones, right? I mean, um, this should be a sad award, you know, because this one definitely hits hard because Julio's been a staple of fantasy for so long. And, like, like my early days of playing fantasy football, I remember, oh, this young guy, Julio Jones, pretty good. Uh, I mean, he had, he had a six-year stretch where he was over 1,400 yards every year. That's six years in a row. The last one he had 1,394, but I'm going to go ahead and count it anyway because it's our podcast and I can do whatever the fuck <laughs> I want. So I'm still going to count that. So six years of over 1,400 yards, and, you know, we're talking 100 receptions each year. Uh, touchdown numbers were never quite what you wanted them to be for that type of production, but I think that's just a Matt Ryan thing. I think we've decided on that with Kyle Pitts' production this year. It's just, you know, 
it's it's going to be sad not to have him in in our fantasy conversations anymore because I don't think he's going to be uh, talked about even if he does play again next year for the Titans or whatever. I don't think he's going to be somebody people are going to be drafting. Yeah, no, he was he was drafted this year on the hopes of that he was close to what he'd been the years before, and and he was not. And the, you're right, since. I've been deep into fantasy. He's been the staple. You yeah. know, I remember drafting him in the second round and, you know, just knowing that he's going to go in there and, yeah, 1,400 yards, easy, you yeah. know. So sad to see him go, but it's, yeah, it's getting that time. Yeah. Mine is uh, DeAndre Hopkins, which is also tough. He's also been the guy, and, and he's a little bit younger, and I don't think that, I don't think that he's done. I think he's still going to be uh, a good wide receiver for a couple years, but he's definitely on, the, on his way out. He, he started off kind of hot this year, but his numbers look good due to touchdowns. Um, he had eight TDs in 10 games, but he only had two games over 75 yards, and he had six games under 55 yards i mean it's just the yardage isn't there he also missed seven games due to injury which uh starts happening when these guys start getting this age you know yeah it's a soft tissue soft tissue injuries that that are worrisome because it was a hamstring that kept him out a lot and when you get start getting older those things linger significantly i mean just look at julio jones perfect example um, yeah, he, he's 29, so I hope he still has a couple years left in him because he's one of my favorite players also. Dude is just so good, and um, his story's awesome. I love him as a player. So I, I hope we still get a couple years of production, but, yeah, I can't argue against it. There is his, uh, his season fell off pretty quick and, and never got back going again. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, this one's fun for us. The best fantasy rookie. Oh. I have I have talked about this player all year. Well, probably about halfway through the year, but um, Waddle for me, man. He broke the rookie for receptions uh, for a rookie. He got 104, got over 1,000 yards. Um, he did that with only one game over 100 yards. So he is uh, a consistent player, and I don't think his potential is even being close to being met yet. The, the yardage, the ADOT, his average depth of target, it's only seven yards, and that's – that's like Hunter Renfro level. That's so bad. Like, you want your elite wide receivers. Most of them are kind of averaging around 10. So if you can get his ADOT up about 10, even 9, like, that is just going to be fucking awesome. And then you combine that with his his speed hasn't even been utilized yet. Like, the amount of uh, times where he's just had crossing routes that he doesn't get to break off is, is insane. So you get him running down the field. And especially if they get a running back where they're going to have to start stacking the box, like that's going to increase this dude's production an insane amount. But I, I look for that ADOT to, to increase probably about 30% next year. So it's going to be quite a, quite a jump next year is what I'm thinking. Yeah, no, he, he's great. Um, I didn't have him anywhere this year, so I kind of just started paying attention when you fell in love with him. And so I'm now in love with him too. I love him. He's going to be great. Um, I do think that the answer to this question is Jamar Chase. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's pretty much all I have to say. Wide receiver five, uh, rookie record, 1,455 receiving yards. Uh, he had 13 touchdowns and uh, all that for a guy that can't catch. Yeah, not bad, right? Yeah, uh, I've obviously been in love with him all year. I've talked about him a lot. So these are two guys that both of us uh, are happy to talk about here and happy to see them them do well. Yeah, hell yeah. And that's kind of our, our 2021 recap of players, guys. Thanks for, uh, thanks for letting us have our six-pack with you. All right, guys, we would definitely like to shout out our Patreon supporters for this week. Huge thanks to Austin Smith, Nate Tipton, Ben Murray, Joe Griff, and Jason, no last name. 
You guys are all fucking rock stars, and we'll get some bonus material out ASAP for your listening pleasure. Again, thank you, dudes and dudette. Um, thanks for listening, guys. We're so happy to have you. Please check out our Patreon page. That's patreon.com backslash fantasy on draft. Um, and, yeah, we're going to have some bonus material that's only available to our Patreon members. And, you know, we're excited to do that, too. Super pumped. And what's really hard for me is I have a very difficult time saying anything nice about any of those people that you just mentioned. And so now I have something to fall back on. They're Patreon members. So that's something positive. You guys did it. That's awesome. Yeah, guys. Thanks so much. <laughs> uh, just a reminder, we're on Apple Podcasts and we're on Spotify, SoundCloud. Uh, you can now rate us on Spotify. If you'll give us that old five-star click, boom. Um, thanks. Give us the, the follow, then review us. We'd love it. It helps us out a lot. Um, you can also email us if you want. If you have any fantasy questions or anything, that's fantasyondraft at gmail.com. Um, one last shout-out to my mom, Mama MF Land. <laughs> Says she listens to every episode, and she was our first Patreon member. So, Mom, it's your weekly reminder. Call me when you hear this. Love you. <laughs> awesome. Bye, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. Tip your bartender. All righty.